And hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another edition of Talking Cinema with Christoph Hankerson. On this week's episode, I'll be discussing my number five favorite baseball movie of all time. It's 42, the story of Jackie Robinson and how he broke baseball's color barrier in 1947 amidst all of the adversity, racism, and prejudice he faced during the Jim Crow era of segregation, and how he himself would pave the way for future black baseball players to succeed in Major League Baseball, as well as the civil rights movement that would, came, that would come later. All of this and more on this week's edition of Talkin' Cinema with Christoph Hankerson. And hi guys, it is so great to be back on another edition of Talking Cinema with, I'm your host, Christoph Hankerson. Of course, you should know that by now. And this is the seventh episode of the show. If you are not subscribed, you should be. You can go, go ahead on over to wherever you get your podcasts. I'm on, I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Hit subscribe. And each and every time a new episode is ready to listen to, you will not have to have me tell you. It's right there. It'll be delivered right to your inbox or right to your phone or however you get your notifications. And so you can be on top of that. There are six episodes in the archives. Feel free to check out. Feel free to sample one of those. You know, obviously, at this point, I'm new to the podcasting world still. This is only the seventh episode I've done, so I'm still kind of trying to build the audience. But this is the first episode of my show where we're going to be talking about one movie and one movie only. This is the designated format when I set out to do this podcast about three or four months ago. And, and I'm, I was, I was brainstorming in my head. I said to myself, you know, I kind of want to have that Siskel and Ebert format a, a little bit, just much longer, you know, cause I don't know if any of you guys have watched their older episodes, but I spent a lot of time in high school watching Siskel and Ebert. They're two of my biggest movie inspirations in the critic realm and they would usually critique about three or four movies an episode in 22 minutes so they'd spend about four or five minutes a movie kind of dissecting what they liked and what they just didn't like about it and giving it either two thumbs up two thumbs down or one would like it one wouldn't or maybe in the middle but regardless of that we're pretty i'm pretty much i've pretty much with this episode we're going to be segueing into the set format of discussing for, for me just one movie for about 30-ish minutes. Eventually, I'd like to make the podcast longer, but I'm probably not going to do that until I've built a, a much wider audience than I have right now. So for now, the episodes will still probably be about 25 to 30 minutes. I'm not going to move to 45 minutes to an hour long episodes until I have a much bigger audience than what we have right now. So that probably won't be for another couple, another year or so. But just keep listening. I, I value any feedback from any of you that are out there. And um, so yeah, we're gonna just get we're just gonna dive right into tonight's episode. And you know, one of the things that is very amazing about sports movies as a whole, but since we're talking baseball about baseball movies, is that you don't necessarily have to be a baseball nut like myself, you know, a lifelong fan of the game who watches almost every Cubs game or listens to almost every Cubs game on the radio that he could, you know, and still does to this day. You don't have to be like me or whoever your team is to enjoy a good baseball movie because a lot of the baseball movies that have been made are just really awesome human interest stories. Pride of the Yankees, Story of Lou Gehrig. You know, you think um, Field of Dreams. 
You know, I just I remember talking to a lot of different people, and that movie will be discussed later on. So that's a slight spoiler, but probably be discussing that movie in, in, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, that's just another one of those movies that's you know it's the it's the message, it's the whole father and son aspect of that film that appeals to a lot of people who don't even like baseball. They might think the game is boring, you know. And tonight's movie is one of those films. It's the movie Forty Two. It was first released back in 2013, and it stars the Black Panther himself, T'Challa, Mr. Chadwick Bosman in the titular role, uh, Harrison Ford, whom we all know and love as Han Solo in Indiana Jones, was Branch Rickey, um, Alan Tudyk, who has been very synonymous with the Disney name over the last several years. If you've pretty, if you've watched every Disney movie from Wreck-It Ralph to the present believe, if memory serves me correctly, he has voiced at least one or more characters in all those movies. He was King Candy in Wreck-It Ralph. He was the Duke of Wesselson in Frozen um, in Rogue One. He was the voice of K2SO, which is probably my personal favorite role of his that he's played so far. In this film, he was not that nice of a guy. He's kind of a racist, racist Phillies baseball player slash manager by the name of Ben Chapman. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, and if you've seen the movie and you're listening to this, you know exactly how nasty Alan Tudyk was. It's like, whoa. And the thing about it is, aside from the other roles that he's played, all these other family-friendly animated movies, it's like, whoa. You know, King Candy, K2SO, using racial slurs? <laughs> it just doesn't seem right. But you know, excellent cast. Um, so I'm gonna before we kind of before I kind of dive into the movie. Though I kind of want to, you know, give some background because I think it's very important. You know, we all know, I feel like if I were to say the name Jackie Robinson to any of you that are listening tonight, you know, I would probably, you'd probably think, okay, yeah, he's the guy that broke baseball's color barrier back in 1947. And that's all that you know. Just like if I were to ask you about a lot of other historical figures, you know, since we're talking back, since we're talking since we're talking about blacks, you know, Malcolm X, whether it be Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, anybody, and any, any, any historical figure, or, you know, perhaps our founding fathers, you know, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, you probably only know one thing unless you're a history nut, or unless you majored in history in college. And so, just going to kind of delve into Jackie Robinson's life. I was doing a little bit of a uh, just kind of refreshing my memory about him. I remember um, reading up a lot about him in high school because I just found him so fascinating. You know, being a being a baseball fan and being a black man in America, which I am, you know, Jackie Robinson was probably one of the more fascinating black Americans and pioneers, in my opinion, in American history. Not diminishing what Malcolm X and Martin Luther King did, but you know, because I love baseball, it's like, wow, Jackie Robinson, cool guy. So Jackie Robinson was born on January 31st, 1919 in Cairo, Georgia. So he was a Southern boy, at least for the first year of his life. He was actually youngest of five kids. He was raised by a family of sharecroppers as well. However, after his father walked out on his family, a year later in 1920. So Jackie was probably maybe a few months old, depending on what point in time it was in 1920. It doesn't really specifically say, but in 1920, he moved out to Pasadena, California with the rest of the members of his family. And even though 
Pasadena was very, it was a very affluent suburb in, in Southern California and right outside of Los Angeles because segregation was nationwide. It wasn't just in, you know, it just wasn't just in the Jim Crow South, you know, states like Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Georgia, where he grew up. It wasn't just in those states where segregation and racism was running rampant, you know, white only bathrooms, black only bathrooms, you know, white water fountains, black water fountains, et cetera, et cetera. All that, a lot of that stuff was happening out West, happening out in California. You know, so segregation was nationwide. Pretty sure you all knew that, but you know, I thought I would kind of just maybe refresh some people's memories. And you know, him and his brothers obviously were not allowed to play with the white kids, so you know, they kind of just stuck together. Even though it was a very affluent neighborhood that they lived in, or that they were kind of a part of, they were in the poorer neighborhoods. Because if you know anything, pretty much all of us, everybody that's listening to me, and even I myself. Wherever you live, there is always a poorer, slummier section of your city. And Jackie and his family lived in that section of the city. Um, his college years were pretty cool. I don't know if I don't know how many of you are aware of this, but he enrolled at UCLA. So for those of you that are unfamiliar, UCLA stands for the University of California, Los Angeles. And he enrolled in 1939, where he became, made some history. He made so, eight years before he broke the color barrier, he made some history. He became the first Bruin to earn varsity letters in four different sports. Baseball, which is the one he's most known for. But he was also very accomplished in basketball, football, and track. So there you go. Jackie Robinson was a very well-rounded athlete. In fact, it's been proven it's that if you learn how to play baseball first and you can master that sport, picking up other sports is a lot easier. At least it can be. <laughs> I wouldn't say I mastered baseball, but I'm okay. I'm, I was more okay at it, but I didn't really. I wasn't really that great at a lot of other sports. I would just consider myself to be an average mediocre athlete. I'm more the person that likes to watch the sports, soak in the stats, rattle them off to people, show off my knowledge. That's the kind of sports fan. That's my relation to sports. Um, it was also at UCLA where Jackie would meet the future love of his life and his wife, Rachel Robinson, who, to my knowledge, believe believe she's still alive. After his time in college, Jackie, so Jackie, there's not a whole lot there, but after the after he left UCLA during the spring semester of his senior year, he actually accepted a job as an athletic administrator at a at a local at a high school, and then if later on, a few months later, after he was only he was only there for a few months, but he was actually drafted in the U.S. Army in the spring of 1942 during World War II. We were literally obviously in the middle of a world war at that point. So the interesting is that Jackie. The interesting part of all this is that Jackie Robinson actually never fought in combat. And another thing. And I believe this is probably where, you know, Branch Rickey and a lot of other people in Major League Baseball were kind of thinking, oh, this guy, this might be our guy, you know, because of this very, this situation. But he was actually nearly court-martialed in 1944 for refusing to sit in the back of the bus at Fort Hood in Texas. But he was acquitted on all charges. So... 
before Rosa Parks, we all now we all know Rosa Parks. That's what she, that's what she's most known for. She's the reason why blacks can sit anywhere they want on the bus today, because she refused to give up her seat to a white man. That's what she's known for. That was her contribution to the civil rights era. Crazy though that in the 1940s, Jackie Robinson did it in Texas. And then eventually in November of 1944, in spite of almost being court-martialed, Jackie was actually honorably discharged from the United States Army. So I can kind of tell Jackie Robinson was probably very tough, very tough, you know, very disciplined, was used to, you know, probably enduring a ton. You can you can only imagine what the army was like back then, especially for a black man in America, a ton of racial slurs being hurled at him. So everything that he was face, everything that he would face in Major League Baseball, you know, was probably, was probably in some ways, semi, in some ways mild, you know, in, in comparison to what he might have faced during his time in the Army, being yelled at by drill sergeants. Now, so a couple months later, Jackie Robinson actually begins his pro baseball career. But one of the but one of the things you have to remember is that because the whole world was segregated, sports were segregated as well. And since blacks couldn't play with whites, they had their own leagues, the Negro Leagues, which, by the way, next month will be all throughout Major League Baseball. They will be commemorating the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues and every single team in Major League Baseball will be wearing patches on their arms. You know, I remember. When I was a kid, I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. This was the summer of 2004, 2005. I practically lived in my local library. And I remember reading a book about the Negro Leagues. And I also remember in high school watching Ken Burns' documentary about baseball. And there was an episode where they talked about the Negro Leagues. It's 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 fantastic stuff. It's it's really, it's, it's American history. I, I highly recommend it. Again, whether you love baseball or you don't, it's still it's still worth kind of looking at, you know, seeing the struggles that those guys went through and also kind of finding out that those guys were just as talented and if, even if not in some ways better than their white counterparts. Like there was there was Josh Gibson, who a lot of people would say, oh, some people called him the black Babe Ruth. Some people called Babe Ruth the black Josh Gibson or and. Because Josh Gibson, even though Babe Ruth was regarded as the home run king in Major League Baseball, having hit 714 home runs before Hank Aaron broke the record in 1974, Josh Gibson, a lot of these aren't really recorded, but it's believed he hit maybe somewhere between 750 to 800 home runs, according to Ken Burns' baseball and according to other various historians that you talk to. But he signed with the Kansas City Monarchs in the Negro Leagues in 45, where he hit 387 that season. That's an incredible batting average. It was then, I think at this point, aside from his demeanor and aside from how well he could play and how hard he hustled on the field, Branch Rickey, who was the executive for the Brooklyn Dodgers, he was looking at this point to integrate black baseball players in, of course, what was at the time an all-white Major League Baseball that possessed both the talent and the temperament to face the racism that was not just rampant from the players, but that was rampant from the fans as well because, you know, we all know that racism is taught, and from generation to generation, whites were just taught that blacks were inferior and that they're the superior race and all this other, you know, crap that was out there. That's that's all it is. It's just it's just a load of bull crap. But you no, know, Jack, you no know, Branch Ricky wanted someone 
who, you know, he thought had the temperament to not fight back. And then eventually, a year after, so on April, so on April 15th, 1947, Jackie Robinson breaks baseball's color barrier. A year later, in 1948, became the first African-American, excuse me, first black player to win the National League Most Valuable Player Award in that year by hitting a league-leading 342 with 37 stolen bases, which also led Major League Baseball, and driving in 124 RBIs, which was a that was a career-high year for him. So now that you know a little bit more about Jackie Robinson, I'm going to take some time to kind of discuss some really big pivotal scenes in the film, which I honestly think this episode is very timely with everything that's going on in our country, all the protests of racial injustice. You know, I'm not going to delve too much into that. You know, obviously, you've got the Black Lives Matter crowd, All Lives Matter, wherever you stand on that, that's your business, honestly. And we can talk about that some other time. But with everything that's going on in the world, this is, I think, an amazing episode because of the human interest, not just not so much the baseball, but more so the human interest and more so everything that Jackie endured, pursued and overcome. And I consider him to be a hero for doing all this. So there's a scene in the film. I kind of briefly mentioned it, but Ben Chapman, who was the player manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, this was one of Jackie's, this was Jackie's first season with the Dodgers and man, he was just, he was just, he was just really letting Jackie have it. He was really letting, he was really, you know, really taunting the team as well. Aside from getting in Robinson's head, you know, just asking him all this really vulgar, nasty, disgusting things and telling, just hurling just awful things that no human being should ever really have to hear. Um, You know, he just called him, you know, bear with me. This is what was said in the film. And if you've seen it, you know, but he called him a porch monkey. He called him a nigger repeatedly in in that scene. And he said, you know, he was saying all this junk about, you know, what's he doing with y'all? You know, I hope you don't take showers with him because you're going to be a mess. Obviously, you know, he's of the persuasion that because blacks were inferior, you know, they're a little bit, you know, they're just not, they're not worth taking showers with. And then, you know, he asked him to like white women, which obviously at this point in time, interracial dating and marriages was unheard of. In fact, if you so much, if you were a black man or a black woman and you so much as looked at a white woman or a white man, someone and someone saw it, the wrong person saw it, they could kill you. That's how rough things were back then. But obviously, but obviously Ben Chapman's getting in his head. I mean, this and this is, I mean, Jackie Robinson's wife, Rachel, was right there. That's his his wife was in the stands hearing all this disgusting filth being hurled at him. And I think, I think the way that they, I think the way I, I just really want to commend the directors for, you know, how they how they had that scene played out. And honestly, there's a lesson to be learned there from that. And that lesson is, you know. No matter what a person says to you, you, know, you shouldn't let what other people say to you offend you. Or, I mean, even if it does offend you, just you know, have some self restraint, have some self, have some self discipline, have you know, the courage and the willpower to not, you know, retaliate. You know, if I if I could sum up that scene, uh, you know, all the all the vulgarity that he said, you know, even going so far as to say, hey, you you don't you don't belong here. 
this is a white man's game. Get that through your thick monkey skull. You know, he was kind of just going on and on and on. You know, you don't, and I think this is something that goes true for us today in 2020, you don't return ignorance for more ignorance, if that makes any sense at all. Someone calls you a nasty name, you do not have to call them one back. As I think that's I think that's definitely one takeaway from that particular scene. Um, I would say another big scene in this film is where there's so they're in a town, and obviously, obviously segregation is all around, and there's this racist hotel owner. He shuts the entire team out of the hotel, not just Jackie, but literally the entire team, all even the white guys. We're not allowed to. We're not allowed to be in this hotel, and you know that's, <laughs> yeah. You know I, you know I got. I I remember watching. I'm like, whoa. I I just I just never realized. I think watching that, I just never realized. You know, I I had always knew how bad things were for blacks, but the fact that team, uh, the fact that the whole team was shut out of that hotel because Jackie Robinson was there with them was just astounding to me. It's like, whoa, if you either get rid of him or none of you stay here, it's like, wow, that's crazy. That's insane. You know, I know our country has a lot of issues now, but I am so glad I never had to go through a lot of that. Obviously, you know, certain parts of my family perhaps did, but man, I am, I don't know what I would have done if I was in Jackie's shoes and my teammates were ragging on me for not having a place to stay or not being able to stay at that particular hotel that they had stayed at for years. I mean, I think, and then there's probably, I would probably say the most iconic um, scene in the entire film would be uh, maybe maybe one day or maybe well maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42 so they won't tell us so they won't tell us apart you know there's you know they you know um, so they're playing they're obviously play, you know they were obviously playing in a very very segregated part of you know town and um and peewee reese his whole family, his friends, everybody he grew up around, you know, he just wanted to make a statement that, you know, Jackie, I, I don't see color with Jackie. You know, he's, he's earned my respect as a ball player. He's earned my respect as a person. He's a human being. And this is how all of you people in here that are racist that are calling him all these nasty racial names. This is how you should be seeing him as well. You know, we're humans. That's the takeaway I have from that. I mean, that's the moment itself is just powerful, you know, just standing side by side and saying, you know, maybe we'll, maybe tomorrow we'll all wear four suits so they won't tell us apart. Then eventually, obviously, years later, that would happen. But you know, that's just, <laughs> I just thought that was, I just thought that was pretty incredible. Um, okay, so as of, in any, whether it be a sports film or a music biopic or whatever kind of biopic it is or autobiography, there's always creative liberties that are that are taken with these films. And so, and there and there were a few in this one. Semi-minor, but I'm just gonna briefly touch on them. So Jackie, so obviously we all know that I, I kind of touched on this earlier, but Jackie and his wife, Rachel, met and met at UCLA. 
and eventually they got engaged in 1943. But obviously at this point, as I, as I mentioned, I talked about his military service, Jackie Robinson was still in the army. In the film, they show him getting engaged right after he had signed the dotted line with Branch Rickey and the Brooklyn Dodgers. So there's a little bit of differences there. You know, that did not happen in real life. In real life, it's like, yep, got engaged in 43, not if he signed with the Dodgers. And there's also, you know, I did touch on the whole scene with Ben Chapman where he's holding those racial slurs at Robinson. After that, you know, he breaks the bat in his dugout and Branch Rookie comes to comfort him and says, you know, Jack, you got to calm down. And he says, you know, no, the next white SOB that comes that that says one more thing, I'm going to smash his teeth in. And you know, he's very frustrated. That did not happen because because that's not something that's not how Jackie Robinson would have reacted. However, the director of the film thought that, and I quote, I'm at, this is a direct quote from him. He said that there was no way that Robinson could have withstood all of that abuse without cracking at least once, even if it was as in that film, and that part of film was in private. So eh, needless to say, kind of put it in there for dramatic effects. I'm sure if you've seen other biopics, you'll know that certain scenes were put in for dramatic effects. I can probably name several that had these because I watch a fair amount of biopics, not just sports, but other kinds as well. And, that's just one of those scenes where it's kind of put in there for shock factor, I guess, shock value. And then another big one. So there's so there's a scene in the movie where the Dodgers take on the Pirates for the National League pennant. Um, Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher Fritz Ostermuller actually, instead of hitting Robinson on the head, he hit him on the left wrist. And now I thought in the film, because the team started fighting afterwards, I thought, oh, wow. And everybody hated him. It's like he threw that pitch just out of racist spite. It's like at this point in time, that was that that was what he threw that pitch not to spite Robinson, not to taunt him, but he threw it as a form. It was like a it was like a brushback pitch. It was a pitch to kind of you know get his attention, and say hey, you know, just know that yeah, I want you to chase some of my pitches on the outside, but every now and then I might buzz you with one to kind of get your attention. That's that's kind of how the game was played back then, very old school, you know. I've I've I remember reading stories of players where, you know, if a guy winked at him, you know, he if he if he if the batter winked at the pitcher, he get thrown at. So it's kind of a little bit of that going on, but uh, so yeah, there was that. But all in all, excellent movie, hundred percent recommended. Two thumbs up. It's number five on my list. Obviously, there's four other movies I enjoyed a little bit more, but the margin isn't really that separate for these other four films. But we all, but Jackie Robinson, he's, he's one of the great American heroes. And he left an amazing legacy. I mean, as a fan, you know, without Jackie Robinson, I think all baseball fans can agree. Hank Aaron, who before Barry Bonds broke his record back in 2007, he was the home run king, broke Babe Ruth's record, 755 home runs, endured the same, unfortunately he endured the same amount of hate that Robinson endured because in the 70s, racism was still running rampant, even though integration had just happened a few years earlier. People still hated blacks, people still called blacks niggers. It still happened, but you know, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, who is also in the top 10, 660 home runs that would have never happened nor would his more would his famous catch in the world series have happened bob gibson would not have had that 17 striker performance in the 68 world series nor would he have had that 112 era that season ricky henderson whose record 
will probably never be broken in two areas. Single season record for stolen bases, 130 steals in 1982. Most players nowadays in 2020 Major League Baseball don't even steal 36. They still maybe 35 to 40 bases, but he stole that many. He's safe there, and he stole approximately 1,406 bases in his career. That's number one. I think both of those records were stand. And then King Griffey Jr., who was the face of Major League Baseball in the 90s, was pretty much what Michael Jordan was for baseball. King Griffey, excuse me, basketball. King Griffey Jr. was for baseball. Face of the game. Had his own video game. 630 home runs. Probably had it not been for the strike in 1994. And had he not been plagued by injuries, he would have not only broken Roger Maris's home run record, but he would also probably have been the one to break King Aaron's home record instead of Barry Bonds. And... Just, just so much success, black, and I can, I can probably those are the fo- those are the main that I the main ones that I focused on, but success after success was possible because of what Jackie Robinson did. And even though someone else might have taken his place, we're so glad that I am so glad that Jackie Robinson was the man to do it. He was the man to break the color barrier. And then in 97, 25 years after his death and 50 years after he broke baseball's color barrier, his number would be retired by all teams in Major League Baseball, never to be worn again. And what better legacy than to have your number, 42, be retired by all the teams in baseball and fly in all of the parks of Major League Baseball. That's that's an incredible legacy in my opinion. Well, I hope you enjoyed this this evening's episode. And next week, I will be discussing my number four film on the list, the Dennis Quaid 2002 biopic, Rookie, The Rookie. But until then, I trust each and every one of you will have a wonderful evening and a great rest of your week. See you next time.